Hi, Matthew. Thank you for having me. I'm Ari Sussman. I am the executive chairman of Collective Mining. Looking forward to talking with you today about what we're doing in Colombia, the fantastic country of Colombia, and where the opportunities lie in the future. Brilliant, Ari. Lovely um, to have you on the show. First time we met, we've spoken. So uh, we're going to keep this a fairly helicopter level and, and uh, I guess let the story wash over us a bit. So uh, Colombia will make some people nervous and, and others not. You've worked there before. So w what's it like over there for miners? So look, Colombia, what, what is washed over people, which they don't realize, is Colombia has a very long and established mining industry. And I'm not talking about a traditional industry, which it also has historically, but also a modern industry. Okay, so the Columbia has, for instance, the largest open pit coal mine in the world and has currently operating what used to be the largest nickel mine in the world, I believe is about number nine or 10, you know, as we speak. So this is an industry that is well established in the country that has its own agency that lobbies government, is organized. Um, has a very strong mining code in place that 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 is favorable to all parties um, and has been a great place to invest. I think, you know, look, Colombia, what people misunderstand, Colombia has its challenges and everyone knows security, right? I mean, that has been the problem historically, or at least in the last 50 years for Colombia. It was really, really bad in the 1980s and 90s. Um, improved drastically really from 2000 onwards, but still has its challenges. But what people miss about Colombia is that it is the oldest democracy in South America, number one. Number two, it has excellent rule of law. Okay, having worked throughout different countries in Latin America, I can confidently say that the corruption level of Colombia is far less than other jurisdictions. And as a foreigner, a gringo, as they like to call us, um, I feel that if I needed to go to court to sue someone, you know, on whatever grounds that was that was a Colombian, I feel that I would have just a fair as fair a chance if I was to say sue in the UK, United States or Canada. So it's a very strong business destination and a great place to invest for mining. Right. And of course, you've worked before Continental Gold. Big success. Um, what, what were the sort of learnings from that that you're applying now to your new um, story collective mining? So look, let's let's stay on Colombia for a minute before we before we zoom in. So look, Colombia is maybe analogous to investing in Peru in say nineteen the nineteen eighties. We know the curve that Peru has had in terms of growth, and why I compare it to Peru is population. This is not Chile, okay? You, you don't have deserts sitting everywhere with no population around and very easy for mine. So wherever you're going to find a mineral project in Colombia, there is going to be an area of influence with population around you. And so the comparison to Peru is this. Companies that do well with their sustainability programs, get in early, work hard on communities for support, will build mines. Those that do not will struggle. And so we're going to see a mixed bag of, of permitted mines and ones that get denied in Colombia, just like we saw in Peru. My experience at Continental Gold, it was a roller coaster, a full circle roller coaster. I mean, we did many, many loops, you know, up and down, um, obviously successfully culminating with a sale to Zijin Mining for about $1.4 billion. But, you know, what did we learn along the way? Uh, community, 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 as I mentioned, that is the only way you're going to succeed 
uh, in this country. Secondly, um, education, you know, breaking barriers. This is what Colombia is about. You go into a community, typically do not have any formal mining education and typical fallacies we see in many countries, very pronounced in Colombia, like number one, agriculture and mining should not coexist. It's one or the or the other. You know, we 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 broke that down very succinctly with programs that we're currently using at Collective Mining. For example, alliance with the Colombian Coffee Growers Federation. It has all the bells and whistles of a typical, uh, you know, ESG related alliance. But most importantly, we go hand in hand to all the farmers in our area of influence and say, we mining want coffee and coffee, we want mining. These are two industries that work together. They trade off each other and they offer people uh, more balanced economies when one commodity is up, the other can be down and vice versa. Okay, but, okay. But, but let's let's stay here because I think um, what we saw last year was this kind of um, it felt like a synthetic overlay of e- e- ESG. And yeah, and again, people kind of railed against this. You know, c- companies would come on here every day of every week uh, last year and say our ESG credentials are this, that, or the other. But you're you're making a very strong case, and you brought brought the conversation back to the importance of this. Is this some? Obviously, you, you sold Continental Gold back in you know early 2020, um, but do you do you honestly believe you know are you sincere about your commitment to the social license component um or do you you know truly believe or what are the examples that you can give us to say well look if we as a company don't do this we will not be able to advance our project meaningfully so look esg i don't like the word esg i mean that encompasses three areas right sustainability environment and and, and government right um the sustainability, I mean, look, environmentally, if you don't behave, you know, to the best of your abilities possible and innovate, you're going to have problems in any country in the world. So we can push that box aside because of the population in Colombia and you're dealing with populace. If you don't win the population over, you're dead. It's that simple. You're not going to advance. So when we start, I had to learn this lesson, you know, in Colombia, it started in 2009. Okay, we weren't talking about ESG globally at that point. It wasn't a buzzword, but we learned, you know, through mistakes that we had to win over population. And, you know, we we put some very innovative programs in place, none of which I care. I don't care at all about are we checking boxes on some funds checklist for ESG saying, hey, we're doing it. I care more about that we win over. And the biggest one is dialogue. Okay, so we started, you know, at our former company, Continental Gold, the program at Beritica, that was the name of the town and the mine. We started a program called Plan Beritica. Okay, this was a platform monthly in the town square run by an independent agency that would allow anyone to talk about anything they want, good and bad. Mining was only part of the discussion. It wasn't, hi, we're a company, we want to win you over. It was Come complain, tell us all your problems, and let's see that my, the mining company with the community can maybe work together to solve some of these problems that have nothing to do with mining together. And that is really what builds trust, builds openness, builds tolerance, and that, that is our view on how you win over um, local populations. Building roads, these other things, we do it. Okay, so does everyone else. That is not a winning formula. It's dialogue and transparency and how you win over people. 
Right. Okay. So, so, so I love this conversation because, because you know, I, I have not worked there. You have worked there. You have built and, and sold a company there. Um, is the main sort of, um, I guess, uh, negative that comes out of North America about investing in South America, um, wh whether it be Colombia, Peru, Chile, or even down in Ecuador, you know, is this kind of socialism, right? And you're talking about social license. So, um, what, what's the difference between those, those two things? You know, should investors, you know, see socialism as a negative or should they embrace it? Look, I mean, Colombia, as an example, has elected its first left-leaning president in its history. Okay, so, so President Petro came into power last August and he's just completed his six-month review, so to speak. I'm bullish on it. I mean, you know, I, you know a country like a Colombia, for example, was... Very, very right wing, haves and haves nots. And I always felt there wasn't enough done by the haves to bring the haves not into a middle class population. And Colombia has one of the lowest middle class populations in Latin America. So I think this is great. I, I think we're in a period for mining where you really need to go about it wrong to not move forward, particularly if you are blessed to have commodities that are going to be part of a, a global energy transition, right? So, so you're in a sweet spot. Um, socialism wants transition. Left wing wants transition, arguably more than the right wing. Um, and, and so I think that is a more supportive system um, right now for mining that is done properly, following proper guidelines and standards. Okay, so you've talked about the type of company that yeah that you want to be in that you want to build. Um, again, I wanted to, it was always about investors, right? So it, it, again, investors, you know, may have a, a view about socialism. You've you explained your your position on that and why it, it should be embraced to, to some degree. But what are the what are the types? So what would you expect if you put your investor hat on? What would you expect a company to do and how they? behave to be successful over time in some of these countries where the news can be positive one, one minute and negative the next. It's, it, you know, there's a high, high flux in terms of news flow um, and sentiment in terms of investing in some of these countries. So what, what's the key to success? It comes back to my question earlier about, you know, what are the things you learned from continental gold, which you think you can apply here? This, this is you're describing Colombia to a T. I mean, right now, right? There's wins and losses. I mean, Anglo Gold, for example, has twice been denied for permits on two different projects. Sorry, not denied, um, kicked back, meaning you know that it's not complete. But that's in in essence a denial, but a polite way of saying we're not giving you a no. We're just saying do more work. Um, so look. I want to see always with any company who the management team is. And more importantly, I always want to understand who the boots on the ground team is. It's nice to have a guy like me sitting talking to you, you know, in English, but it's for me, it's all about operation on the ground. I'm the executive chairman of this company. The president and CEO is an individual named Omar Osma. He is Colombian based in Colombia and spends his entire week in the town that abuts our main project called Guayabalas. Okay, he will see the problems that I can never see from afar. And this is the greatest mistake I think made by mining companies is too far away from the action, so to speak. Okay, so let, let's talk. Let's talk about you now and what you've set out to do. So, what was what's the plan day one with the business? What did you want to be? Was it just case? Oh, we'll just re replicate what we've done before. Or is there more to it? Not at all. It wasn't at all. Let's replicate it. Okay. So 
Colombia is the best frontier for new large-scale discoveries with infrastructure in Latin America. I say with infrastructure because there are other good countries in the northern coast, but they're very remote jungle conditions, difficult to ever build mines in in remoteness like that. Um, It didn't get explored in the 80s and 90s, right, because because of the situation. And the technology revolution that that actually was really the last one that swept mining until today. I think there's a new one coming on now um, where we invented heat leach technology, you know, geophysics, advanced geophysics. Columbia missed that. So the big deposits weren't found. It's not rocket science to know that the Andes mountain chain continues right from Chile, right up through Colombia, right? So, you know, we're just at the beginning. So look, our last company, Continental Gold, we found a high grade vein system, okay? Porphyry related vein system. Where's the copper? Where are the porphyries? I mean, that is always what comes next in the evolution of these countries. So the the chili boom of copper discoveries, albeit I'm sure it'll be at a smaller scale, is what's coming next. So we set out to go capture that porphyry part of where the evolution of a Columbia will lie next. And that is how we went about it. So we, we, we put together a team of experts on porphyry systems and went out and put together our two projects, which are both porphyry style um, targets. And that's where we're going with this. Next in the future, Colombia will will start to evolve towards other commodities like nickel, lithium, et cetera. But those don't exist today other than the one big nickel mine. I'm unaware of a single showing, for example, of anything nickel in the whole country or lithium uh, for that matter. Okay, so so it's it's not a direct comparison to what's gone before, but... Day, day one, you're saying, right, because the, man, the management holds, you know, a big chunk of this, that, you, know, you know, a third of the company owned by management. You've invested in it. You've, you must have set out with it with a goal in mind. Is, is it to get into production? Is it take through to development, split it? I mean, what, what are we buying into? Okay, so I, I look, whether my last company, we built a mine and sold it as it was about to declare commercial production, okay? I didn't intend to build a mine. The cycle dictates what you do many in, in mining at many parts of it, right? So I don't know where we'll be. Ideally, we don't want to construct a mine here, okay? We want to advance it as far as possible, permit it, and bring in someone to take it on. And the reason I say that is, you know, porphyry and porphyry-related style deposits require enormous amount of capex, okay? So, with that said, that's how we looked at the business when we started the company. And going after porphyries, we said, okay, let's make sure that we tick some easy boxes. Okay, the number one easy box is are we in an area of infrastructure or not? So we looked at dozens of projects before we put this portfolio together. Most didn't pass the smell test for that reason alone, they just were too remote. Secondly, are we in an area where there are known uh, environmental forest reserves where you're hoping to excise, you know, part of your package out? Those were out. Okay, so we went to an area that has excellent infrastructure, has educated labor for mining, which is not common in Colombia. I say that because we're contiguous to a company uh, named Aris Mining which holds the Marmato deposit, which is a mine that's been in production continuously for more than 500 years. So you could imagine that everyone in our area of influence has mining in their system in one way, shape or form, at least if not currently in their ancestry. And so we're, we're sitting in an area abutting a multi-million ounce gold deposit that is on the cusp of starting large scale construction 
and we're right next door with an amazing opportunity. Right. So, so how long have, how long has this been going? I mean, when did you uh, start the company? Um, it, it started earlier than we planned. I mean, this was in April 2020 start date, and that was due to lockdowns. You know, I, you know, you were locked down as many of your viewers were with jobs. Uh, I, I was locked down. We'd sold Continental in March 2020 and got locked down two weeks later. It had nothing to do. So my team got very bored very rapidly and said, let's go to work. So this started uh, in April of 2020. Um, to put together the flagship asset, it took multiple deals with different underlying title holders to put it together. And then we had to go and get the project titled for exploration. It was an application format. So we went public in May of 2021. And really, um, you know, the titling took place in October um, of that same year. So we're just over a year into this where we actually physically have a project um, that, that can advance. Right. So I want to talk about what, what you've got here, because I think sometimes when people are successful, like you have been in terms of being able to sell um, a, pro a company or project uh, for this so, so, sort of quantum that you did, you get a reputation and it's a good reputation. You're backable because you've done it. Um, but what happens is the next deal kind of gets ahead of itself in terms of the the valuation and there's a bit of backfilling needs to happen so what is it what what have you so how much did you, how much have you raised to date what have you done with the money and what have you got today in terms of the the, the values it sets so we've ra we've raised about 40 million dollars canadian from beginning to where we currently stand including cash on the bank um right now um and you are right. I mean, our valuation came out of the gate ahead of itself. There's no question about that. Our flagship asset, Guayabalas, was undrillable because we didn't have the titling part complete. Um, our secondary asset, which we put 4,300 meters into, had, had some good smoke and some decent intercepts, um, but not what we're looking for. But at the end of the day, you know, look, at I, I, my success is really based on my team. And everyone says that, but I pride myself on having... In, in nor overwhelming geological talent as well as operational talent on the ground, but let's focus on the geology talent. It's what we recognized here that brought us this opportunity. Our motto uh, of mine that's been in production, as I mentioned, for 500 years is sitting there. And incredibly, no one ever seriously thought about the context of our motto geologically and what that could mean for what's sitting around it. Matthew, you know as well as anyone that there's a saying in mining, the best place to find a mine is next to a mine. It's always been true and will always be true. And we're sitting in a porphyry camp, okay? And the way porphyry systems form, you know, is they're all sort of the same all over the world, right? You get some shape, you know, of a system that's, let's say, five by five kilometers uh, in, in scale. And within there, you get a bunch of fingers that come up each one of these fingers are coming off an intrusion, and that's, that's a porphyry finger. And the way porphyries work, the first one that comes up carries the most grade. The one that comes up last is generally empty of, of any metal, and you get a mix in between. And then you get brecciation as a later event. And then the last event in this environment is what we call CBM veins, which are the late-stage carbonate-based metal veins. Okay, so that is the context of all porphyry settings in the world. And typically, but not always, those late stage veins form around the peripheral of your five by five kilometer ish shape. And Marmato is just that it's a late stage porphyry vein system. So, recognizing that, we said, well, where's the porphyry cluster? And that is how we put together 
um, the project that we call Guayabalas. Okay, and we approach this methodically more in a way for exploration that a major would look at it versus a a junior. What does that mean? I mean, so okay, let's put boots on the ground. Let's go out and do very hard work and difficult topography, ridge and spur, soil sampling. Let's generate anomalies. And then instead of falling in love with one, as is typically the, the, the failure of many companies, let's approach like a major budget, 20,000 meters of drilling, which, which we did in 2022, and, and try and first pass test each one of these targets that we generated. We had generated seven, okay? We never quite drilled all seven, we drilled five, okay, of the seven. Um, you probably know very well from, from being a mining investor um, that odds of success in mining are typically about one in a thousand that you'll ever find a mine. So mother nature really blessed this area, okay? We drilled five. Of the five, one is a complete miss, okay? Three, we made discovery on. Their names are Olympus, Donuts, and, and Trap. And our main discovery is called Apollo, okay? And that is what has generated all, all the excitement. I think we, we've got a, a I mean, I, I know we have a multi-million ounce system in the future. Obviously, we'll have to do a resource estimate on that down the road um, to confirm what I'm saying. But this is a, a porphyry system that has been brecciated. That is what we've discovered at Apollo. Now, you might ask, what does that mean? Okay, because geology goes over most people's heads. Well, um, it's a there was an existing porphyry system, and the one that was existing probably didn't have that much metal in it to begin with. A brecciation event came in and blew through the porphyry. So it effectively enveloped the porphyry. Porphyries are like a cone, okay? So imagine a cone shape. They all look like that, okay? And so it's been brecciated. What does brecciation look like to you and I that aren't geologists? A jigsaw puzzle that's been put together on a table with jagged pieces. When you look at it on a white table, you see a lot of space between the pieces that are connected. You can still see the table behind. That means there's a lot of porosity. Porosity means there are spaces for fluids to get dumped into that matrix and get trapped. And that is exactly what we have here. What makes the Apollo target or system so exciting is, and it, like every great system in the world, there's always a common theme. There is always more than one of pulse or event that has dumped metal into the system. Here we have at least three, okay? We have a porphyry source, it's not the one that the breccia blew through, but one probably nearby somewhere, hopefully. We're going to drill a target. Uh, we started today, we announced in our release, we're, we're drilling a porphyry target. Fingers crossed. I don't know if we'll hit, but it's very close. That could be the source. But then secondly, we have at least two stages of low sulfidation to intermediate sulfidation veins. So these, these porphyry veins that have cut through the jigsaw puzzle. So typically when you think of veins, you think of little narrow fingers like this, but when the veins hit that jigsaw puzzle, they lose their shape, the metal dumps out of the veins and, and then refloods that same matrix. So as a result, we're getting a system that is very enriched in copper, silver, and gold combined. Okay, thank you for that. It, you've you've said a lot. A you've lot. also got a little bit technical in places for some of the audience here. Um, 
and, and you know, it'd be great to maybe if you come back on, or maybe we want team must come back on and get even more technical with us. That would be that would be fantastic too. But in terms of the way that Porphyrs and Breaches work, I think there's like a broad understanding of, of that uh, for you know the for people who've been investing in money for a while. For those who are coming into this space, there's it's it's kind of confusing when you're looking at some of the drill results. You you know, I think some of the headlines from earlier on, you had some nice big huge intercepts with some quite nice grades. You know, two up to you know three three grams per ton. Fantastic, and then you've got you know even even bigger intercepts with sort of lower, um, you know two six eight at uh, you know point eight nine grams per ton. It's and I get that, the, and there's some there's some other uh, you know there's a little bit of silver and copper etc. In, in there too, but not not a whole bunch. For that audience, which is a big part of the you know um, I think the, the retail um, audience, how how can you explain what the next few months are going to look like for you? Because it. There are you're you're hunting for breaches and you know and, and portfolios hopefully and they can give you some big returns but it doesn't happen overnight they're not that easy to find as you say one in a thousand or even worse than that you know of of, of expiration stories will end up a, a, as a as a mine how do you plan for success because you can burn through a lot of money burn through a lot of drilling and it, it, it burns money. How, how do you come at this and how should people looking at you view the time frame in which you've, you're going to deliver success? So we have a five-year business plan to be in a position in five years from now to make a decision to construct, okay, the mine. I know that sounds like a long time probably to some viewers. However, you know, on average right now, if you look at independent studies, it's about 10 to 12 years for a mine from discovery to go to production. So we're only one year in. We only announced our first assay result at the Apollo target in June, late June of 2022. So this is a brand new discovery. Okay. So for the 2023 season, as an investor, you will see the excitement of growth. Right. So the excitement of growth is one. We're going to continue stepping out and expanding this system. The exciting thing about it is we do not know where the edges of it are yet. OK, it is wide open. We put out results last week. Um, you know, we drilled uh, 425 meters at just over a gram and a half gold equivalent. Importantly, that drill hole, which was more than 750 meters in total length, bottomed in mineralization. It was continuing. Okay, we have visuals from another hole going in a completely different direction that intercepted 600 meters of mineralization, bottoming in mineralization, assays from that. That's hole 28 due in the next uh, three or four weeks, according to the lab schedule. You'll see growth. You're also going to see us prove one thing that we haven't proven yet with the drill, that the system comes to surface. Right. One of one of the questions that we were getting asked always was, oh, you have these wonderful intercepts, but, you know, we've seen them. We see them typically start 100 or 200 meters below surface. You know, does this need to be an underground mine? And my answer to that was, look, this was a blind discovery when we discovered it. We didn't know where the system might outcrop this. A drill hole went in and oh, my God, look what we have. We We, we now understand that we caught it you know, from the from a deeper part of the system where the discovery was made. And as we move southward, it actually comes to surface. In the press release we put out today, we announced that we, we've started our 2023 program. Um, first drill holes going down, a new brand new drill pad located where we believed it came to surface. And we announced we're, we're in the mineralization and that mineralization started right at surface. So we have found the outcrop of the system. That is big, right? Because when you're looking at a project, is this going to be an open pit or underground mine? I don't know yet. Not, and nobody knows yet, but I at least want to offer the flexibility to have both options 
uh, by drilling. So you're going to see very aggressive step out uh, drilling as well as targeting high grade mineralization near surface in 2023. 2024 will move to resource definition drilling as well as growth. And then we'll look to come out with a resource estimate in late 2024. Right. Okay. And and, and just in turn, and to put, maybe put that in dollar, dollar um, terms for people. Obviously, you raised some money back in October, ten point seven million bucks. You know, your literature talks about having to circa just under five million at the moment. What's the kind of like the what's the burn rate and and you know how's that attributed in terms of money going in the ground uh, for drilling versus money going on the ground for uh, targeting uh, for the drilling. So, so our our we entered twenty we entered twenty twenty three with with around nine and a half million dollars cash uh, U.S. Just to correct on that, so we're we're in good shape. Obviously, we're going to need more money at by the end of the year, early next year, again to continue. Um, look, most of our money goes in the ground. You know, I I'm a believer in the seventy thirty split. Seventy percent of your funds go into the ground. That does include surface exploration, which is quite inexpensive because we're not doing any geophysics or anything costly. And then the other 30% goes into corporate overhead, but more importantly, into sustainability, right? I mean, you know, you you need to have a ratio of spending on your sustainability to your exploration. You cannot do one without the other in, in a country like Colombia or virtually anywhere in the world. And so that, that, that goes, and we have a model, you know, that we built for Colombia. It's a Colombia-centric model of exploration and and sustainability that goes hand in hand and what's great about it is our model works for a startup junior and and continues to work for a company the size of a barrick gold or, or, or a new mining it's a scalable model and the ratio of spend will go up commensurate with the scale of what you're finding right okay and obviously um you've got a really tight share structure i noticed and, and um why why <laughs> What, what did you do at the beginning uh, and why have you done it like that? Experience, Matthew, experience, experience, experience. So been, been there, done that. Okay, so you know as well as I do that, you know, to go from where a collective mining is today to a construction decision, we are going to have to dilute by raising money multiple times along the way. Too many companies I've seen come out with share structures where it looks great on the day out of the gate. And then two years later, they're scratching their heads about a rollback because too many shares have been issued and it doesn't matter what the fundamentals are, the, the, the enormous share structure, the amount of shares outstanding tend to hurt the company. So this is about planning for the future. Some people don't like it yet. You know, they say, oh, it's too tight. If some institutions have said, I like your story, but we'll wait. Okay, great, we'll wait. But if you look at Great Bear Resources, which correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe got taken out for around $28 Canadian, I think was the final share price. That was because they kept a, a tight share structure. We don't see takeouts at that kind of a share valuation, share price. Maybe the valuation is normal, but the price. So let's hope we can replicate that, move rapidly to, to create shareholder value with, with aggressive exploration and growth. And, and maybe who knows, one day we'll be lucky like Great Bear and get taken out for an enormous sum by some other gold company or a base metal company. Right. Okay. And and so I, I do love learnings in, in all of this. And, you know, given your experience, it'd be remiss of me not to ask. So you've told us what you sort of set out to do. And you've told us what's, you know, what's happened recently in terms of through, through the drill, but et cetera. And, you know, what you hope to be able to deliver through now through to 2024. Um, obviously, last year was a difficult year for precious metal um, companies. You were busy based on the amount of press releases going out and, you know, some of the headlines that you were busy. What are the things that you think you did right last year that perhaps weren't rewarded that perhaps may garner some kind of reward this year? 
Well, I saw um, I, I saw on on Twitter someone sent me a chart from a someone that writes a, a, a tweet or a, a guy named GoldDiscovery.com, and he showed the value of drill holes in 2020 for what it did to companies versus you know 2022 where nothing happened. So you know we were overlooked for our discovery, I, I believe, right? I mean, you have a a monster in phyllo mining, you know, that's kind of the bellwether giant company in Canada right now on the exploration side trading at north of $3 billion market cap. And here you have a collective mining trading at, you know, well sub a 200 million market cap. Now, I'm not saying we're worth $3 billion. We are not, not at this point yet, okay? Um, but there's a disconnect in terms of valuation based on who made this, who made big discoveries in the right part of the cycle and, and those of us that did not. So I think we're going into a much more exciting uh, part of the cycle in 2023, um, you know, for commodities. I'm generally not a gold bull or a silver bull or... But you know, I, I'm I, I'm I'm optimistic based on the 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 global situation that we're going to go back to money printing. We're going to see uh, a, you know a, a stronger gold price going forward, and I think the interest is coming back. We're seeing it now. I can tell you this, Matthew. We raised money in late October, okay, of 2022, and I I said to my team, this has to be the bottom because we've never struggled, or I've never struggled so much. I've told no by so many people you know, foreign investment, given our past success, that just wouldn't put up the money. And it's not because they said, oh, we don't like what you're doing. It was, we have no liquidity in our funds right now. Um, in order to buy your financing, we need to sell something that's got no bid. It's got Ill illiquid and therefore we cannot. And so that was the hardest financing I've done in many, many, many years. So I think that's a sign of better things to come. Yeah, well, okay, but the bottom for what? Bottom for equities, not certainly not the bottom for gold price. Gold price has been absolutely fine most of last year, and certainly very strong beginning of this year. So the the massive disconnect between the equities and, and, and the commodity prices broadly across commodities, um, but certainly for gold, do you do you don't need gold to move for you to be successful, do you? A absolutely not. We just don't need an environment where it's crashing because then every they, they throw the baby out with the bathwater. Uh, so to speak, in that environment. No, look, at, we'll continue to add value with the drill bit. We have, you know, fortunately, we have the ability to raise money and have been successful at that. And that's our growth curve for the short term, short term being the next one to two years for this company, not the next one to two months, although that will be, uh, will be drilling too. So this is, if you want to own drilling, if you want to, if you, if you like excitement of a large growth story, we're, we're one of the few um, that is out there that is demonstrating consistency and consistency in drilling is key. And Matthew, I'll say this, there's always a common theme in mining. Most projects get worse with drilling, but, but deposits get better. The good ones tend to get better as you drill more. And that's what we've seen here. So we, we've, we've drilled, you know, we've, well, 2022, we've completed 30 holes. Okay. We have assays up, uh, we're still short six holes. So we have assays up to hole 24. Okay, of that, we've only missed on two. The rest have been significant hits. That's incredible odds, you know, incredible success for a grassroots discovery. Remember, you don't know where the dimensions are when you start these things, right? You're, you're really blind and hoping. You come up with a theory in-house, your team. Oh, let's put the rig and let's go here. Okay, let's do it. So, so when you're onto a big system, good things tend to happen. And we are seeing that in our instance.